this is Pastor Keith Joseph coming to you from First Baptist Church of Jackson, Georgia. Welcome to our weekly broadcast. We hope it speaks to you where you are in life. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. With me, if you would please, to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24. In a few moments, we will end up in Revelation chapter 1, but I want to begin there. If you've been with us these three weeks at the beginning of the new year, we know we've been in a series together talking about urgency. 2020 is the year of urgency that God has for us. Friend, we live in a time in which that the Bible says that God is, I believe, preparing a people for his return. Jesus' whole ministry was filled with urgency. When Jesus went to the cross, he went there with urgency. No one took his life. Jesus, hanging on the cross, cried out, it is finished. Friend, he was a man and our God of urgency. And then 40 days later, Jesus ascended to the Father with urgency for us. He left the church one mission. Do you remember the mission? He said this, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in all parts of the world. As they were standing there watching Jesus, he ascended to the Father. And the Bible said that the angel spoke to them that was there. The angel of heaven spoke to them, said, why are you seer with no urgency? This same Jesus taken up for you is going to return back to this earth. And the, and the Bible said they went into Jerusalem and they waited. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Bible said with urgency, they started ministering. You say, preacher, why do you keep saying that to us? Why do you keep using that word today? Well, it's because I believe that Jesus taught us about urgency. And I want you to look at a passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3, Jesus is just before the cross. He's leaving the temple for the last time. And he says these words, as he sat on the Mount of Oz, this is Jesus, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that no, you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Anybody ever experienced any of this? It's the world that we live in. Now, notice what the Bible says. And the Scripture says in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Did you see the urgency right there? You said, what urgency, preacher? He just used the word endure. Now, I understand enduring, right? You do. I said this in the first service. You endure preaching sometimes, right? Because you just love me. You just stay right here. I, shall I, you're enduring it to the end. 
You endure things throughout your entire life. That's not what this word means. This word speaks about it, a confident expectation, so much of an urgency given to you that, watch this, that you'll go through something, you'll endure it because it's worth it. So Jesus was saying, now watch this, there are a couple of points that I want you to write down. Number one is this, write this down, the world is going to continue to self-destruct. Jesus said, until he returns, this world is going to get worse and worse. And friend, do you believe that? Did you see it this week in, in the homes of people around you? The homes of people that shot up drugs this week just to survive? Did you see it in just up the road from us in the motels where these men have, have enslaved these young ladies and, and sent them into people's rooms at night for, for sex things that they did? Do you see it around you? Do you see it the people that are, are taking pills just so that they don't have to think? Are you seeing it in the young people that are cutting themselves at nighttime? They're, they're not eating. They think that they're ugly. They think that they're a mess. Do you see it all around you? This world is self-destructing, and many of us in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ don't have an urgency because of this. We say this, well, I'm saved, I'm okay. Well, friend, listen to me. God did not save you for you to live your life without an urgency. Now, I want you to write this down. Secondly, the world, watch this, is going to continue to follow Satan all the way to hell. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus said this. He said, you are of your father the devil, and it is your will to do his will. Let me say this to you with the greatest of truth in my heart, that we are in a world that does not know who they are following. And unless you and I, with an urgency from God, reach out to them, they're going to continue in their mess. They're going to continue to implode. Now, notice what Jesus said in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now watch, right now, out of, out of, out of 7.9 billion people, there are over 12,000 people groups in the world, and we've only reached half of them. We've only reached half of them, and we've had 2,000 years. Let me ask you, are people urgent? Now, the New Testament church, I want you to hear this, they had an urgency. As I studied for this series, I realized this in the midst of the study, that immediately after Jesus went back to heaven, the church began to preach as if he was coming back today. They had an urgency as if they were going to meet him right then. And when you look at the church and you study the church, we did hist church history on a Wednesday, some Wednesday nights a few years ago, and we discovered for the first 300 years of the church, they were persecuted, but they were progressing forward. But in that day when there came this moment in time when a Roman leader came, when Constantine said that he had gotten saved, and now all the world was to be Christian, the church plummeted away from God. And for a thousand years, the church kind of existed without an urgency. There's a few popes and a few priests that had the Bible, but people were not being reached, lives were not being changed. It was literally the dark ages of the world. But then in 1517, there was a young German monk who God placed upon his heart a desire that we would return in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Word of God, solo scripture, that we would return justification by faith alone. And he stood out. He took his stand. And the Reformation came. And, but you know what happens with churches, don't you? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ kind of slumps in about seven minutes into the sermon. And you're about seven minutes into the sermon. And we just kind of slump in. And, and what happened was they slipped right back to where they were. Then there came the Great Awakening. Then the Second Great Awakening with Moody and the Spurgeons. But in 1907 was the last Great Awakening for over a hundred years now. The church has slept at the wheel. 
But I wonder, is this the time? Is this the time that God could be saying there is an urgency and a renewed urgency for the world? Can I tell you, I believe it is this time. I believe with all my heart that God is raising a generation that, that is reaching across the lines and saying, I want to make a difference in the world now. I saw it yesterday in our, in our conference. Amber went to, to lead our worship time, and, and my son John had never played in public the piano before, even though he's been practicing two years. And he stood up yesterday and Friday night, and for the first time, just played the piano. I mean, he was playing. We were worshiping, and the pastor said, how long has that man been playing? I'm like, I don't know. And Dylan on the cajon and up doing something else this morning. Listen, I see it there. Our kids, I was telling Joe, the kids in our band, do you realize that those that are in our band are trying to reach the others in their band? You see, because they're realizing now that God is reaching across the lines and they have a desire to make a difference in the world now. They don't want to wait. And so it's kind of like this. It's kind of like in a race, how the, that if you're in a marathon, not a marathon, if you're in a relay race, you've got people waiting. Somebody's running with a baton, and they're waiting, waiting just to make it to the next guy along the path. And so watch, as Paul preached the gospel, he was holding it in his hand, and he would give it off. And there would be an apostle by the name of John who would take a hold of, that, of this. He would pasture in the city of Ephesus, but then he would have, have trials in his life. And then he would come to a rock island. We'll talk about it more in a moment. And he would have the gospel and he would say this who's with us and so I want to ask you are you going to slump for the rest of this sermon or are you going to get in it with me or not are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to reach down into where you are? You may be the only one in this room today that this gospel that needs to get to this city and this nation, here I am as a preacher at 52, rounding the curve. I may be on the third leg of the race, but you're the one, you're the anchor one. You may be a dad in this room, and God is calling you out to, to lead your family to be a part of this church, that you would pick it up and you would carry it. You may be a senior adult. You're thinking, I don't have anything more in me. Well, friend, it's not your might or your power. It is the Holy Spirit, and he's offering it to you today. But you've got to be willing to, to quit wimping out and quit saying in your life, well, I can't anymore. Well, listen to me. I read this week that Abraham fathered a baby at 100 years of age. If he can do it, Somebody said, dear God, not me. <laughs> I saw Lloyd Hutchinson. Just like, no. But I tell you, the baby that you want to birth, someone coming to Christ. Someone coming to know Jesus Christ. I want you to write this down. The church has been given the message of hope. We at this church have been given the message of the hope of the gospel. And we've been given it to, to reach a lost and dying world everywhere, beginning at home. But if we're going to do it, something's got to be stirred up inside of us. Because it's not just not going to get it going to church, is it? I could walk the pews now. Like, man, are you really with me or not? I could walk up there in the sound booth. Are you really with me or not? I could hand you the baton. You pay, oh yeah, I'll take it because you put me in the pressure. But what are you going to do tomorrow? Who's going to enter the boardrooms of our community with, on fire for God? Who's going to go to work on fire for God? Who's going to go in the classroom on fire for God? Who's going to sound the alarm that says there's hope? Do you believe that today? Are you willing to kneel down on a Wednesday in our after-school care program by our little kids to put your arm around them, maybe actually both arms holding them in the chair, and just saying there's hope? 
They're going to go home on Wednesday night to a home. They might have food. They may not have food. They may have families laid out on the floor, passed out. They may be calling over a dad who slumped out. They may see a mom and a dad shooting up, fighting up, selling drugs. You don't know what they're going to see. But listen, God birthed you for this time. This is the best time on the face of the earth to be alive. You could sit at your camera, listen, on the camera on your phone, and you could start a website of your own, and you could preach the gospel around the nations. But without an urgency, you know what you'll do? You'll just circle the wagons. Without an urgency from God, you'll just live your life for you. And without an urgency for God, you'll never quit doing what you're doing right now. So all I'm doing today is just kind of get 30,000 feet with you. You saw red Revelation chapter 1, and I want you to turn there with me. Revelation chapter 1. You say, preacher, is this one of those sermons where I'm going to leave and, and really like, what was that? Well, if you do, it's your own fault. I'm just going to tell you, because this is a pep rally today. That's all it is. This is a pep rally today. It's a pep rally to get you to embrace your place in the kingdom of God. Now, if you're not a Christian, this is not a pep rally for you. This is life for you. This is like you're at the hospital, and you have cancer spiritually, and this is the last time that you're going to be able to go in unless you get something to help you to change your life. That's what it is for you today. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his service. Now, revelation is a fancy word. simply means this, to reveal something that was already there but was hidden. Some people think, I don't like revelation. I don't want to have anything to do with revelation. I'll read all the other books of the Bible but not that one. Now, listen to me. You're simply saying you don't like prophecy because you don't understand it, right? Well, if that's the case, you don't like 21% of the Bible. 21% of the Bible is is reaching into the future. So if you're saying today, I just don't like that, we'll take 21% of the Bible and tear it out and see how you do. One pastor put it this way. If you're going to live in the future, it kind of makes sense to want to know about the future. Anybody? You want to know, kind of know the, where you're going and what's going to go and what's going to affect you. And so John says that there is a revealing. Who's it revealing? Jesus, I'm going to look at y'all. What's wrong with y'all? First service had more life than you did. All right, what's the deal here? The revealing of Jesus Christ. Now, notice, you say, wait a minute. I thought Revelation was about all these signs and all these dates and all these charts. Well, that's men's trying to do things for themselves. Revelation reveals to us Jesus. And listen to me. The Bible says he sent his, now watch this. He, God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Now, two things I want you to see there. First of all, the word servant. Servant is someone who's given himself totally over to someone else. We were reading this week about Joseph. Who was Joseph? He was a slave. Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house. He turned everything over to him. He was a slave, remember? He was also a slave in the jail, and the jailer turned everything over him. He was a slave, listen to this, while in Pharaoh's house, but Pharaoh turned everything over to him. Now watch this. If you are slaving for Jesus, he has turned everything over to you for your watch care in your season in life. So are you going to be a good servant or are you going to be a bad servant in this day? Those who have an urgency are not standing in their their place in the line waiting, kind of talking like this. No, they're stretching. They're getting ready. Students, you ought to be stretching your minds as we teach you the Word of God. You ought to be stretching your legs as we take you to the nursing home as Gary did the group on Wednesday night or Tuesday night. You ought to be stretching yourself on these mission trips. When we take you overseas, we're not taking you to play around. And they don't. When you go with us, you go to work. And when we go to work, we're saying, we're exposing to you the world. You are stretching your legs so you can serve better. Middle-aged people, it's time that you stretch again. 
You're not done. You're just getting started. God is awaking this church. We had almost 500 people in the house last Sunday morning. And God is working in this midst, and He's calling you out where you are, deeper than you ever have. And you know what you ought to do? You ought to get in your closet and find the baton that you picked up the day you got saved. And you ought to get back in it as a servant of God. Now, notice what the Bible says here. He says here that these things will soon take place. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about things soon taking place, i got to get myself in ready for it. You say, what do you mean? If, if Sherry says, I'm going to have a meal at this time, and if I have a privilege to get to be a part of it, when I get home, I don't just go in the recliner and just lay down and wait. You know what I do, Miss Kim? Guess what I do? I go, I go to our cupboard. I get out the dishes of three of us at the house. I get them out. I, I put the fork and the knife down there usually with that. I'll get the napkin. I'll even pour the drinks. You know why? Because something is soon about to take place. So let me ask you, what are you preparing the knife and the fork for in your life? Here's what Jesus was saying. It's not that it was going to take place in that day, but when it starts, it's going to take place in such rapid succession, seven years, that you had better be ready. Friend, an old preacher said this to me one time. I got mad at the time, but he, it really makes sense. He said this, get in, get out, or get run over. Jesus is coming again. But before he comes, listen, this series for us is all about you and I living our life now in light of what is to come. So I want to ask you, whose side are you on? There really quickly, there are four things that John teaches us in this introduction. Number one is this. The word John gives to us is both living and, notice this, it is costly. When John says here in this text, when he says here the things that must take place, he said he made it known by sending his angel to his, here it is, his slave, John. Now listen to me. John had met the living Lord. Now think about this. When you study Scripture, John was a twin brother. Whether he was the older or the younger, we don't know. But we know this. He and his brother were called the sons of thunder. You, you know what that is, right? I think of Beaver up here. Beaver tells me stories about when he and his brothers were younger. Amen? Oh, some of you older might know that. And boy, he tells me some stories that probably if I'd been his age and I was going down the street and I met him and his brothers, I'd have gone the other side. Because he'd tell you that. They were very active, right, Brother Beaver? Very active as boys. But now think about this moment. But Beaver met Jesus Christ. So the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when it gets inside of you, it brings you life. So Beaver, who might have, as a 17-year-old, shouted maybe even for the devil and about things that were joking and laughing. Do you hear a 79-year-old man sometimes in that balcony? I expect some Sunday mornings for him to jump out and just jump right down on the floor. Because God has changed his life. Have you ever met a former prostitute who's now living differently? It has the living, John 1 and 1, the Word of God inside of him. So let me ask you this. Are you born again? Has this Word changed you? And if it has, is it still changing you? But now for John, it was costly. Look in chapter 1, verse 9. He says this, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and in the kingdom and in the patient endurance that are in Jesus Christ. John says here, I am your brother. I'm saying... I'm your partner. We do ministry together, but I'm in tribulation. Anybody in tribulation in this house today? To serve God is costly. If you're going to really serve the Lord Jesus Christ, it's costly. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you energy in your life. Students, it'll cost you friends. You won't be popular in the crowd. But I tell you what, when the chips are down, you'll become popular. 
I want to tell you this today, that in your marriage, when you stick in it, when everybody else is out doing the other thing, listen, when all their marriages are gone, yes, it's costly on the front end, but when you take the long view, praise God, you will say it has been worth it all. And John was in tribulation. You say, what was his tribulation? Somewhere along the way, after Jesus died, he became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And the Bible teaches us that apparently after that, he wrote First and Second, Third John, but now he's 90 years of age, and he's gone through a time in which that he stood for God, and because he stood for God, they came to him, and this is what history records, they told him in the city of Ephesus, unless you recant your faith, we're going to persecute you. Now, it was not that we're going to put your name in Facebook or we're not going to like you. We're just going to kind of put you off to the side. They told them this, that we will persecute your body. And so here John is an older man. And so I don't know what happened on the day that they did, but they had this boiling pot of oil. And they took John and they put him down in front of that and they said, well, you recant. And he said no. And they took the oil and they held it up, piping hot oil, and they started to pour it down his legs. But John would not recant. You see, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has it too easy. You can't in your job share Jesus or not share Jesus. Why are you wasting your opportunity? When a generation wastes its opportunity, then the gospel goes away, and now you get persecuted. And I tell you, there's a preachers today in America, if they could call back the time, they would not have compromised. They would not have, opened, they would not have closed their mouth about the problems of this day. They would have spoken up. But listen, when the oil came that people said, we'll remove our money or we'll remove our influence, they didn't want the oil on. Well, I'm going to tell you today, devil, bring it on. Because the long view is worth it. And so after that, John was exiled to the island of Patmos. Can you imagine the scars upon his body? He was, he was taken to, to a place that would make Alcatraz look, look like a Disneyland. He was taken there on this island, and he was a slave. And every day, he had to work as a 90-year-old man in a rock pile. And the Bible says, here he was on the Lord's day in the Spirit when he heard a voice. And you want to tell you something, that voice made it worth it all. When the trumpet sounds in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, and the dead in Christ, that's those that are in this service probably. When the dead in Christ rise, and we hear his voice saying, come up here. Will you say the cost was worth it? But if you don't know Him as Lord and Savior, friend, today, the, the problems and the pains of this world are more than you can bear. And you're looking for hope. And can I tell you today that the, it is costly to believe in Jesus, but it is worth it. You say, why is it worth it? Write it down. The Word is life-changing. The word, the word changes everything. Friend, today it changes the way that you love, the way that you care. Just yesterday, I, I was standing at the back of the room outside the door because Sherry put me out. She taught, they had the breakout session. She was teaching the ladies. My wife is as mild-mannered as they come. But I want to tell you something. At one point, she was under the anointing of God, and I just got my feet to move in a little bit. And I heard you say this morning, and I rebuke you as your husband this morning. I heard you say that you were boring. I want to tell you that when the Word of God changes somebody's life, there is life. It is not born. And John, as he wrote these things, let me tell you, the New Testament church, they, when they received these words from God, they didn't say, well, I'll get to it some other time. It's time that you stand up. The life is inside of you and quit making excuses. And some of you are, listen to me, the devil stays on your back in fear and it's time that you come out of that today. That you come out of that fear. That you cast it aside. No matter what men say, it doesn't only matter what God says. 
And I want to tell you today that when John read the, heard these words from God and he turned and saw Jesus Christ, he saw the one that had changed his life, the one whose hair was as white as snow, the one who had the long robe of kingliness, the one whose eyes were like piercing as a fire, the one that knows everything about you, the one who has feet as burnished brass. He is a man of untarnished integrity. And as his words were like the Niagara Falls, he could hear those words and he fell on his face as dead. See, most of us in the church never have a life-changing experience with God that keeps on working through our lifetime. But when it does come to a church as it is coming to our church, it begins to change. The next thing that you knew, you know you see people all over the place starting to pray and to witness and to share. And that's what's happening in our church. Thirdly, I want you to write this down. The word really is Christ. It's not us. Because here's what John said. Remember what he said? He said, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. What did you see this week? What did you see? Come on, church. What did you see this week? I saw Kentucky last night, barely squeezed by Texas Tech last night. I saw Georgia, who Lane said was so good this year, they lost again. I had to throw that in. <laughs> Sorry, Lane. He just cut us off TV right then. But I'll tell you what else I saw this week. I saw a mother trying to get her kids just to listen for a moment. But I've seen greater things than that. I saw yesterday at this conference I was preaching at, it was supposed to be all just Christians there at that conference. One of the folks that were on the pastor's team that were working with them, Brother Don, in the last session, the Holy Spirit just stuck over my heart, says, I want you to give an invitation. And as I was giving the invitation, I looked out and said, if there's anybody here today that you've realized in this conference that you're not saved, I want you to raise your hand if you're ready to be saved. And all of a sudden, one of his leaders, his own family, raised their hand. And I watched her respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today that some of the problems that you have is this, is you're reading this book, but you don't know the author of this book. You see, if I know something, listen to me. I, I got friends that every book that, that we have written, as soon as they see my name, you know what they do, Joe? Whether they like it or not, they, 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 they get it because they think they might be in it too. <laughs> it's the truth. Many of them are. But my dad, the other day, he said, Keith, he said, is this so-and-so right here you're writing about? I said, no, you business. <laughs> but it was. You know why I pick up the Word of God? Because he's writing about me. He's pointing me to Him. He's changing my life. And friend, when John wrote these words, he said these words, look in verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud. What have we done this morning over and over in the Word of God? We've read it aloud. Let me tell you what I've read today. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear. The word blessing means that God from heaven says, I'm going to be pleased with this and I'm going to do something in you that could never happen. You say, what do you mean? Write it down. The word reveals what is to come. See, watch this. Blessed is those who say it. Dad, mom. Now watch what it says here. Those who hear it and those who keep it. You know what keeping it is, don't you? It means that you just get it. You know, uh, for years, I don't know if they still do it or not, people used to buy those Bible covers, right? Don, you've got a Bible cover, don't you? It's usually a filing cabinet for most people. It's not for Don, though. He reads his Word. But listen to me. It's like you just keep it. It's precious to you. Friend, listen to me. When the Word of God marks you, you hear it. You say, that's for me. And watch this. You, uh, you, you keep it. 
So are you on that fourth leg of your race right now? Is it kind of in your pocket? Some of you used to teach in our children's department and you've quit. You used to be in nursery care. You're not there anymore. You, you, you used to be in every service. You were in small groups. You were all about the work. But you know what ended up happening is this. Just a little by little, the baton has been kind of pulled away from you. But I want to tell you this today, and the conclusion is this. Number one, you can trust the Word of God. If you will again take hold of God, if you'll take hold of Him, you can trust it. I trust in the morning. I trust in the night. I trust it all through the day. His Word, James 1, 19 through 21, is to be implanted in our life. We're not to be hearers only, but we are to be doers of the Word of God. If you find yourself feeling nasty, get back in the Word of God. If you find yourself defeated, get back in the Word of God. If you find yourself in your life not having an answer, it's because you're not in the answer book. Can I tell you this today? You can trust the Word of God. But also this number two, you can take the Word of God to the world. I don't care where you go, it is the answer. Wherever I go, it is the answer. And I'm telling you today, friend, young person today, if you'll take hold of the Word of God, you'll go to nations that you never would imagine. You'll climb to heights that you've never seen before today. You'll be able to use the career that you have, and God will transform it. But I'm here as a 52-year-old man with a, with a body that is weakened and a heart and a, and a throat that is dry and tired. And I say to you today, it's your turn. It is your turn. You say, I'm not a preacher. Oh, yes, you are. If this word gets inside of you, you say, what does that mean? It means this. You have to be, number three, transformed by the word of God. Friend, today I believe with all my heart that God's recruiting a team. In John, it's Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, For the time is near, and Jesus Christ frees us by his own blood. If you've ever watched the relay race, they save the best runner for the last one. So if we need to get the gospel to Flow Villa today, which leg of the race, as you are right now, would we put you in? To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.